Our first reading is from Hebrews, chapter 1, starting to read at verse 1, and it can be found on page 1136. God's final word, his son. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as a name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then we go to chapter 2, start at verse 5. Jesus made like his brothers and sisters. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What are mere mortals that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honour and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, if we look at your word, draw close to us and draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, good morning, church. Uh, we're looking this morning at the identity or person of Christ and his work, and it's also Harvest Sunday. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, says this. Who, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ left heaven's glory, took flesh and willingly gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, yours and mine. He took the punishment we deserved so that we could find forgiveness and eternal life. He came as the suffering servant to give his life as a ransom for many. God raised him from the dead, and as that reading from, from Philippians says, exhorted him to the highest place with a name above every other name, and at this name every knee should bow. In Leviticus 23, we read of the feast of the first fruits, which the Israelites should bring as a sign of the harvest to come. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, we read, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. In other words, Christ rose from the dead as the first fruits of a harvest to come, a harvest of all those who belong to him. Today, as we celebrate harvest, we of course give thanks to God for his wonderful provision and perhaps remember that there are places where this year there will be nothing to harvest. In our celebration, we must also celebrate this wonderful truth that it's not primarily about food, but there is a harvest to come at the end of time, a harvest which is pictured in the great multitude of Revelation chapter 7, a multitude that no man can number from every tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. This is the true and eternal harvest, only made possible because Christ our Saviour died, rose again and ascended back to glory. Our salvation is his greatest work. So continuing in, her, in Hebrews chapter 1 and the first four verses, that's page 1136. We're not going to have time to get onto the verses from Hebrews 2, so forgive me for that. So it's not known who actually wrote the epistle to the Hebrews. Some people say it was Paul. Others suggest Barnabas or Luke, Aquila or Apollos. It was probably written in the first place to the Christians in Jerusalem, and as Acts 20 verse 21 tells us, there were many thousands of them. Whilst they believed in Christ, they clung to the temple and its worship. The author of Hebrews is seeking to demonstrate, I believe, the superiority of Jesus Christ over everyone and everything, including temple worship. Christ and Christianity supersedes all other religions and has never been or will ever be surpassed. Absolutely no one has ever or will ever be able to find anyone better or greater than our Lord Jesus Christ. And living in him means having the best there is in life. I can honestly say, having worked for over 20 years amongst people of many faiths, that all competing religions are either deceptions or imitations. Our Lord Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. But it's easy to come to a saving faith in Christ, as the Christians in Jerusalem had done, and then to rest contented 
with the thought that our sins are pardoned and we are on the, on the path to life, but not to have a faith which lives in the invisible and walks with God. The epistle to the Hebrews shows us the glory of Jesus on the throne of heaven and calls us to see him, to consider him, to look to him as he lives in heaven. It's he who can lead us into the heavenly sanctuary and to keep us there, who can give heaven into our hearts and our lives. Hebrews shows us that the same share that we have in Jesus on the cross, we have in Jesus on the throne. Who Christ is and what he has done for us doesn't mean only that we will enter heaven when we die, but the whole teaching of the epistle is summed up in we have boldness to enter in. So let us draw nigh and let us enter into the Holy of Holies and let us day by day live there. Andrew Murray writes in his commentary on Hebrews called The Holiest of All. He writes this, The knowledge of Jesus in his heavenly glory and his saving power, it is this our churches and our Christians need. It is this the epistle will bring us if we yield to that spirit who speaks in it to, re to reveal it in us and give us the joy and strength of a new life. God has spoken over the centuries through prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and he has spoken personally to others such as Abraham and Moses. Now in these last days God has spoken to us by his son who is the final revelation. Final because Jesus is the fulfilment and the culmination of centuries of revelation. All that had gone before was only to prepare the way for the Son himself to come, to bring us into living contact with the divine being, to dwell in our hearts as he dwells in God's heart, to be in us God's word as he is in God. Every word which Jesus Christ, God's Son, uttered carries with it all the life of God, all his power and love. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And now he speaks with creative power in his Son, and the presence and the light of Christ becomes life and light to our souls. He speaks words, and in the speaking gives us his very self. The sun perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. And scripture shows us that Jesus was fully God and fully man. With his son, God created the world in the beginning and it will all belong to the son at the end. Christ is the heir of all that God has. He is the creator of all that is and he holds everything together by what he says by his powerful word. Christ is the upholder and sustainer of everything and everyone. Early on in our Christian days, as Denise and I read Hebrews chapter 1, we realised that we are held together by the word of his power. And if he were to be silent, we would disintegrate, as I believe the world would too. Every cell, every molecule, 
held together by his word of power. I was reminded powerfully of this in my preparation by this quotation, which I'll read to you. And it's from the Institute of Creation Research. And at the top, they say, discover and defend, get equipped with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority. And speaking of word of his power from verse 3 of Hebrews 1. The eternal son not only created all things by his omnipotent word, but is now upholding all things by the word of his power. Note the remarkable relationship here between things and power, or in modern scientific jargon, between mass and energy. The atomic structure of our very bodies is being held together or sustained by mysterious nuclear forces or binding energies that keep the atom from disintegrating into chaos. Scientists do not yet understand such energies or their origin. They merely name them. The fact is that we and all things are being upheld by the out-radiating energy of the Son of God, so that he is not far from every one of us, whether we believe in him or not. This passage in Hebrews 1 beautifully summarises the past, the present, and the future work of Christ in relation to the whole universe. Isn't that amazing? We are held together by the word of his power. Chapter 1 of Hebrews goes on. Christ is the outshining of God's glory and God's perfect image. He is the exact representation of God. He is eternal and worked with the Father in creating the world. Wasn't at the beginning of his existence when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem? Absolutely not. Before the world was created, he was there. But when he did take flesh and dwell among us, he was the clearest view of what God is like and the complete expression of God in a human body. Someone once said that Jesus was God in sandals. Must admit in my preparation, I got the wrong gospel reading. Ha ha. So this might seem strange saying in our gospel reading from Mark 10. So actually the, the passage I looked at was when G, the disciples were trying to shoo the children away and Jesus called them to him. So in Mark 10, we see Jesus inviting children to come to him, saying that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He was speaking in a culture where children were seen as unimportant or even ignored, but he gave them value and worth. And that is what our God is like. Our passage goes on. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The plan of salvation agreed with the Father, between the Father and the Son, even before the world was created, had been accomplished. After Christ had died on the cross, paying the penalty our sin deserved, after he had risen again, and after he had ascended back to heaven, he sat down, which denotes rest, on the right hand of the majesty, which denotes the position of power and authority. And it's the place from which the Holy Spirit was poured out 
on the first day of the Pentecost when the church was born. From then on, it was the Holy Spirit's work to empower the church to take the gospel into all the world. The Holy Spirit was sent down after the ascension so that he might witness to us of a heavenly Christ and bring the kingdom of heaven into our hearts and lives. Then in verse 4 of our passage, we read of Christ having become so much better than the angels as he hath inherited a more excellent name than they. The angels brought wonderful messages from God in the past, but now God is drawing far nearer and wanting to speak in a far more wonderful way, both to the original hearers of the letters to the Hebrews and to each and every one of us here this morning. He is revealing the eternal word into our hearts. The angels could bring words and wonders, but they could not bring the life and the love of God and give it into the heart. This the Son of God alone could do, because he is the divine nature manifested and communicating itself. We can have no contact with other, we can have no contact with either Christ or God in him except as we receive him as a divine nature imparting itself as manifested in his human life and will and character. Andrew Murray wrote, If I were favoured this day with a visit of an angel, what a privilege I would count it. But Christ the Son at the right hand will not only visit, but will dwell in me. O my soul, Rise to thy privileges. God speaks to thee in his Son. So as we come to the end of this sermon time, I know that I've only been able to speak a little of the glory of Christ in his person and work. To speak of him as more than the angels, seated on the right hand of God, crowned with glory and honour. Yet I know that it's only the Holy Spirit who can fully reveal the truths of Christ's sonship and divinity. Everyone has free access to the written words, but their life and power and blessing, the glory of the Son of God as a power of salvation, is given to none but those who wait humbly on God's Spirit to teach them. Now I began with a reading from Philippians chapter 2. Now I'd like to close with a song based on the same reading. You laid aside your majesty expresses much of what I've shared and also expresses some of the love and thankfulness I have towards my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Because of this, and also to celebrate being part of the harvest at the end of time, I'm going to sing it to you. When I have done that, if you agree with me and wish to celebrate your love for him and want to celebrate today being part of the harvest of the end of time, well then you stand up after I've sung it once and we'll sing it a second time together. But if you can't easily stand, just raise your hand in an attitude of praise. And then we will all be singing it together. You laid aside your majesty, gave up everything for me.
suffered at the hands of those you had created. You took all my guilt and shame when you died and rose again. Now today you reign in heaven and earth exalted. I really want to worship you, my Lord. You have won my heart and I am yours forever and ever. I will love you. You are the only one who died for me, gave your life to set me free. So I lift my voice to you in adoration. Shall we start again? You laid aside your majesty. 